Question 175 of Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on Gratuitous Graces. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Summa Theologica Secunda Secundae, Treatise on Gratuitous Graces, by St. Thomas Aquinas. Translated by the Fathers of the English Dominican Province. Question 175. Of Rapture. In Six Articles. We must now consider rapture. Under this head there are six points of inquiry. First. Whether the soul of man is carried away to things divine. Second. Whether rapture pertains to the cognitive or to the appetitive power. Third, whether Paul, when in rapture, saw the essence of God. Fourth, whether he was withdrawn from his senses. Fifth, whether, when in that state, his soul was wholly separated from his body. Sixth, what did he know, and what did he not know about this matter? First article. Whether the soul of man is carried away to things divine. Objection 1. It would seem that the soul of man is not carried away to things divine. For some define rapture as an uplifting by the power of a higher nature, from that which is according to nature to that which is above nature. Translator's note. Reference unknown. Confer, however, to Aquinas's On Truth, 13.1. Now it is in accordance with man's nature that he be uplifted to things divine. For Augustine says at the beginning of his confessions, Thou madest us, Lord, for thyself, and our heart is restless till it rest in thee. Therefore, man's soul is not carried away to things divine, Objection to. Further, Dionysius says in On the Divine Names, 8, that God's justice is seen in this, that he treats all things according to their mode and dignity. But it is not in accordance with man's mode and worth that he be raised above what he is according to nature. Therefore, it would seem that man's soul is not carried away to things divine. Objection 3. Further, rapture denotes violence of some kind. But God rules us not by violence or force, as Damascene says in his On the True Faith, 2.30. Therefore, man's soul is not carried away to things divine. On the contrary, the Apostle says in 2 Corinthians 12.2, I know a man in Christ, wrapped even to the third heaven. On which words a gloss says, wrapped, that is to say, uplifted contrary to nature. I answer that, rapture denotes violence of a kind as stated above in Objection 3, and the violent 
is that which has its principle without and in which he that suffers violence concurs not at all confer ethics three one now everything concurs in that to which it tends in accordance with its proper inclination whether voluntary or natural wherefore he who is carried away by some external agent must be carried to something different from that to which his inclination tends this difference arises in two ways in one way from the end of the inclination for instance a stone which is naturally inclined to be borne downwards may be thrown upwards in another way from the manner of tending for instance a stone may be thrown downwards with greater velocity than consistent with its natural movement accordingly man's soul is also said to be carried away in a twofold manner to that which is contrary to its nature in one way as regards the term of transport as when it is carried away to punishment according to psalm forty nine twenty two lest he snatch you away and there be none to deliver you in another way as regards the manner connatural to man which is that he should understand the truth through sensible things hence when he is withdrawn from the apprehension of sensibles he is said to be carried away even though he be uplifted to things whereunto he is directed naturally provided this be not done intentionally as when a man betakes himself to sleep which is in accordance with nature wherefore sleep cannot be called rapture properly speaking this withdrawal whether its term may be may arise from a threefold cause first from a bodily cause as happens to those who suffer abstraction from the senses through weakness secondly by the power of the demons as in those who are possessed thirdly by the power of god in this last sense we are now speaking of rapture whereby a man is uplifted by the spirit of god to things supernatural and withdrawn from his senses according to ezekiel eight three the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the vision of god into jerusalem it must be observed however that sometimes a person is said to be carried away not only through being withdrawn from his senses but also through being withdrawn from the things to which he was attending as when a person's mind wanders contrary to his purpose but this is to use the expression in a less proper signification reply to objection one it is natural to man to tend to divine things through the apprehension of things sensible according to romans one twenty the invisible things of god are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made but the mode whereby a man is uplifted to divine things and withdrawn from his senses is not natural to man reply to objection to it belongs to man's mode and dignity that he be uplifted to divine things from the very fact that he is made to god's image 
and since a divine good infinitely surpasses the faculty of man in order to attain that good he needs the divine assistance which is bestowed on him in every gift of grace hence it is not contrary to nature but above the faculty of nature that man's mind be thus uplifted in rapture by god reply to objection three the saying of damascene refers to those things which a man does by himself but as to those things which are beyond the scope of the free will man needs to be uplifted by a stronger operation which in a certain respect may be called force if we consider the mode of operation but not if we consider its term to which man is directed both by nature and by his intention second article whether rapture pertains to the cognitive rather than to the appetitive power objection one it would seem that rapture pertains to the appetitive rather than to the cognitive power for dionysius says on the divine names for the divine love causes ecstasy now love pertains to the appetitive power therefore so does ecstasy or rapture objection to further gregory says in his books of dialogues two three that he who fed the swine debased himself by a dissipated mind and an unclean life whereas peter when the angel delivered him and carried him into ecstasy was not beside himself but above himself now the prodigal son sank into the depths by his appetite therefore in those also who are carried up to the heights it is the appetite that is affected objection three further a gloss on psalm thirty verse one in thee o lord have i hoped let me never be confounded says in explaining the title which reads unto the end a psalm for david in an ecstasy ecstasis in greek signifies in latin excessus mentis an aberration of the mind this happens in two ways either through dread of earthly things or through the mind being wrapped in heavenly things and forgetful of this lower world now dread of earthly things pertains to the appetite therefore rapture of the mind in heavenly things being placed in opposition to this dread also pertains to appetite on the contrary a gloss on psalm 115 verse 2 i said in my excess every man is a liar says we speak of ecstasy not when the mind wanders through fear but when it is carried aloft on the wings of revelation now revelation pertains to the intellective power therefore ecstasy or rapture does also i answer that we can speak of rapture in two ways first with regard to the term of rapture and thus properly speaking rapture cannot pertain to the appetitive but only to the cognitive power 
for it was stated in article one that rapture is outside the inclination of the person who is rapt whereas the movement of the appetitive power is an inclination to an appetable good wherefore properly speaking in desiring something man is not rapt but is moved by himself secondly rapture may be considered with regard to its cause and thus it may have a cause on the part of the appetitive power for from the very fact that the appetite is strongly affected towards something it may happen owing to the violence of his affection that a man is carried away from everything else moreover it has an effect on the appetitive power when for instance a man delights in the things to which he is rapt hence the apostle said that he was rapt not only to the third heaven which pertains to the contemplation of the intellect but also into paradise which pertains to the appetite reply to objection one rapture adds something to ecstasy for ecstasy means simply a going out of oneself by being placed outside one's proper order confer pars prima secundae question twenty eight article three while rapture denotes a certain violence in addition accordingly ecstasy may pertain to the appetitive power as when a man's appetite tends to something outside him and in this sense dionysius says that the divine love causes ecstasy inasmuch as it makes a man's appetite tend to the object loved hence he says afterwards that even god himself the cause of all things through the overflow of his loving goodness goes outside himself in his providence for all beings but even if this were said expressly of rapture it would merely signify that love is the cause of rapture reply to objection to there is a twofold appetite in man to wit the intellective appetite which is called the will and the sensitive appetite known as the sensuality now it is proper to man that his lower appetite be subject to the higher appetite and that the higher move the lower hence man may become outside himself as regards the appetite in two ways in one way when a man's intellective appetite tends wholly to divine things and takes no account of those things whereto the sensitive appetite inclines him thus dionysius says in on the divine names four that paul being in ecstasy through the vehemence of divine love exclaimed i live not now i but christ liveth in me in another way when a man tends wholly to things pertaining to the lower appetite and takes no account of his higher appetite it is thus that he who fed this wine debased himself and this latter kind of going out of oneself or being besides oneself is more akin than the former to the nature of rapture because the higher appetite is more proper to man hence when through the violence of his lower appetite 
a man is withdrawn from the movement of his higher appetite, it is more a case of being withdrawn from that which is proper to him. Yet, because there is no violence therein, since the will is able to resist the passion, it falls short of the true nature of rapture, unless perchance the passion be so strong that it takes away entirely the use of reason, as happens to those who are mad with anger or love. It must be observed, however, that both these excesses affecting the appetite may cause an excess in the cognitive power, either because the mind is carried away to certain intelligible objects through being drawn away from the objects of sense, or because it is caught up into some imaginary vision or fanciful apparition. Reply to Objection 3 Just as love is a movement of the appetite with regard to good, so fear is a movement of the appetite with regard to evil. Wherefore, either of them may equally cause an aberration of mind, and all the more, since fear arises from love, as Augustine says, in On the City of God, 14, 7, and 9. Third article. Whether Paul, when in rapture, saw the essence of God. Objection 1. It would seem that Paul, when in rapture, did not see the essence of God. For just as we read of Paul that he was rapt to the third heaven, so we read of Peter, in Acts 10.10, that there came upon him an ecstasy of mind. Now Peter, in his ecstasy, saw not God's essence, but an imaginary vision. Therefore, it would seem that neither did Paul see the essence of God. Objection 2. Further, the vision of God is beatific. But Paul, in his rapture, was not beatified, else he would never have returned to the unhappiness of this life, but his body would have been glorified by the overflow from his soul, as will happen to the saints after the resurrection. And this was clearly not the case. Therefore, Paul, when in rapture, saw not the essence of God. Objection 3. Further, according to 1 Corinthians 13, verses 10 and 12, faith and hope are incompatible with the vision of the divine essence. But Paul, when in this state, had faith and hope. Therefore, he saw not the essence of God. Objection 4. Further, as Augustine states in The Literal Meaning of Genesis 12, 6 and 7, Pictures of bodies are seen in the imaginary vision. Now Paul is stated, in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 4, to have seen certain pictures in his rapture, for instance, of the third heaven and of paradise. Therefore, he would seem to have been wrapped into an imaginary vision rather than to the vision of the divine essence. On the contrary, Augustine, in his letter 147 to Paulina, on seeing God, concludes that possibly God's very substance was seen by some while yet in this life, for instance by Moses, 
and by Paul, who in rapture heard unspeakable words, which is not granted unto man to utter. I answer that. Some have said that Paul, when in rapture, saw not the very essence of God, but a certain reflection of his clarity. But Augustine clearly comes to an opposite decision, not only in his letter on seeing God, but also in the literal meaning of Genesis 12.28, quoted in a gloss on Second Corinthians 12.2. Indeed, the words themselves of the Apostle indicate this, for he says that, He heard secret words which it is not granted unto man to utter, and such would seem to be words pertaining to the vision of the blessed, which transcends the state of the wayfarer according to Isaiah 64.4. I hath not seen, O God, besides thee, what things thou hast prepared for them that love. Or the Vulgate translation says, wait for thee. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Therefore, it is more becoming to hold that he saw God in his essence. Reply to Objection 1. Man's mind is wrapped by God to the contemplation of divine truth in three ways. First, so that he contemplates it through certain imaginary pictures, and such was the ecstasy that came upon Peter. Secondly, so that he contemplates the divine truth through its intelligible effects. Such was the ecstasy of David, who said, in Psalm 115.11, I said in my excess, Every man is a liar. Thirdly, so that he contemplates it in its essence. Such was the rapture of Paul, as also of Moses. Confer question 174, article 4. And not without reason, since as Moses was the first teacher of the Jews, so was Paul the first teacher of the Gentiles. Confer pars prima. Question 68, Article 4. Reply to Objection 2. The divine essence cannot be seen by a created intellect save through the light of glory, of which it is written, in Psalm 35.10, In thy light we shall see light. But this light can be shared in two ways. First, by way of an abiding form, and thus it beatifies the saints in heaven. Secondly, by way of a transitory passion, as stated above, question 171, article 2, of the light of prophecy. And in this way, that light was in Paul when he was in rapture. Hence this vision did not beatify him simply, so as to overflow into his body, but only in a restricted sense. Consequently, this rapture pertains somewhat to prophecy. Reply to Objection 3. Since in his rapture, Paul was beatified not as to the habit, but only as to the act of the blessed, it follows that he had not the act of faith at the same time, although he had the habit. Reply to Objection 4. In one way, by the third heaven, we may understand something corporeal, 
and thus the third heaven denotes the empyrean confer first timothy two seven confer also pars prima question twelve article eleven second reply which is described as the third in relation to the aerial and starry heavens or better still in relation to the aqueous and crystalline heavens moreover paul is stated to be wrapped to the third heaven not as though his rapture consisted in the vision of something corporeal but because this place is appointed for the contemplation of the blessed hence the gloss on second corinthians twelve says that the third heaven is a spiritual heaven where the angels and the holy souls enjoy the contemplation of god and when paul says that he was wrapped to this heaven he means that god showed him the life wherein he is to be seen for evermore in another way the third heaven may signify a supra-mundane vision such a vision may be called the third heaven in three ways first according to the order of the cognitive powers in this way the first heaven would indicate a supra-mundane bodily vision conveyed through the senses thus was seen the hand of one writing on the wall daniel five five the second heaven would be an imaginary vision such as isaiah saw and john in the apocalypse and the third heaven would denote an intellectual vision according to augustine's explanation the literal meaning of genesis twelve twenty six twenty eight and thirty four secondly the third heaven may be taken according to the order of things knowable the first heaven being the knowledge of heavenly bodies the second the knowledge of heavenly spirits the third the knowledge of god himself thirdly the third heaven may denote the contemplation of god according to the degrees of knowledge whereby god is seen the first of these degrees belongs to the angels of the lowest hierarchy confer pars prima question 108 article 1 the second to the angels of the middle hierarchy the third to the angels of the highest hierarchy according to the gloss on second corinthians twelve and since the vision of god cannot be without delight he says that he was not only wrapped to the third heaven by reason of his contemplation but also into paradise by reason of the consequent delight fourth article whether paul when in rapture was withdrawn from his senses objection one it would seem that paul when in rapture was not withdrawn from his senses for augustine says in the literal meaning of genesis twelve twenty eight why should we not believe that when so great an apostle the teacher of the gentiles was wrapped to this most sublime vision god was willing to vouchsafe him a glimpse of that eternal life which is to take the place of the present life now in that future life after the resurrection the saints will see the divine essence without being withdrawn from the senses of the body therefore neither did such a withdrawal take place in paul 
Fourth article. Whether Paul, when in rapture, was withdrawn from his senses. Objection 1. It would seem that Paul, when in rapture, was not withdrawn from his senses. For Augustine says in The Literal Meaning of Genesis 12.28, Why should we not believe that when so great an apostle, the teacher of the Gentiles, was rapt to this most sublime vision, God was willing to vouchsafe him a glimpse of that eternal life which is to take place of the present life. Now in that future life after the resurrection, the saints will see the divine essence without being withdrawn from the senses of the body. Therefore, neither did such a withdrawal take place in Paul. Objection 2. Further, Christ was truly a wayfarer, and also enjoyed an uninterrupted vision of the divine essence, without, however, being withdrawn from his senses. Therefore, there was no need for Paul to be withdrawn from his senses in order for him to see the essence of God. Objection 3. Further, after seeing God in his essence, Paul remembered what he had seen in that vision. Hence he said in 2 Corinthians 12.4 that he had heard secret words which is not granted to man to utter. Now the memory belongs to the sensitive faculty according to the philosopher on memory and reminiscence one. Therefore, it seems that Paul, while seeing the essence of God, was not withdrawn from his senses. On the contrary, Augustine says, in the literal meaning of Genesis 12.27. Unless a man in some way depart this life, whether by going altogether out of his body, or by turning away and withdrawing from his carnal senses, so that he truly knows, not as the apostles said, whether he be in the body or out of the body, he is not wrapped and caught up into that vision. Translator's Note the text of St. Augustine reads, When he is rapt, etc. I answer that, the divine essence cannot be seen by man through any cognitive power other than the intellect. Now the human intellect does not turn to intelligible objects except by means of the phantasms. Confer Pars Prima, Question 84, Article 7. Which it takes from the senses through the intelligible species. And it is in considering these phantasms that the intellect judges of and coordinates sensible objects. Hence, in any operation that requires abstraction of the intellect from phantasms, there must also be withdrawal of the intellect from the senses. Now in the state of the wayfarer, it is necessary for man's intellect if it is to see God's essence, to be withdrawn from phantasms. For God's essence cannot be seen by means of a phantasm, nor indeed by any created intelligible species. Confer Pars Prima, Question 12, Article 2. Since God's essence infinitely transcends not only all bodies, which are represented by phantasms, but also all intelligible creatures, 
now when man's intellect is uplifted to the sublime vision of god's essence it is necessary that his mind's whole attention should be summoned to that purpose in such a way that he understand not else by phantasms and be absorbed entirely in god therefore it is impossible for man while a wayfarer to see god in his essence without being withdrawn from his senses reply to objection one as stated above in article three objection two after the resurrection in the blessed who see god in his essence there will be an overflow from the intellect to the lower powers and even to the body hence it is in keeping with the rule itself of the divine vision that the soul will turn towards phantasms and sensible objects but there is no such overflow in those who are raptured as stated in article three reply to objection two and consequently the comparison fails reply to objection two the intellect of christ's soul was glorified by the habit of the light of glory whereby he saw the divine essence much more fully than an angel or a man he was however a wayfarer on account of the passibility of his body in respect of which he was made a little lower than the angels hebrews 2 9 by dispensation and not on account of any defect on the part of his intellect hence there is no comparison between him and other wayfarers reply to objection three paul after seeing god in his essence remembered what he had known in that vision by means of certain intelligible species that remained in his intellect by way of habit even as in the absence of the sensible object certain impressions remain in the soul which it recollects when it turns to the phantasms and so this was the knowledge that he was unable wholly to think over or express in words fifth article whether while in this state paul's soul was wholly separated from his body objection one it would seem that while in this state paul's soul was wholly separated from his body for the apostle says in second corinthians five verses six and seven while we are in the body we are absent from the lord for we walk by faith and not by sight translator's note per specium that is by an intelligible species now while in that state paul was not absent from the lord for he saw him by a species as stated above article three therefore he was not in the body objection to further a power of the soul cannot be uplifted above the soul's essence wherein it is rooted now in this rapture the intellect which is a power of the soul was withdrawn from its bodily surroundings through being uplifted to divine contemplation much more therefore was the essence of the soul separated from the body objection three further the forces of the vegetative soul are more material than those of the sensitive soul 
Now in order for him to be rapt to the vision of God, it was necessary for him to be withdrawn from the forces of the sensitive soul as stated above. Article 4. Much more, therefore, was it necessary for him to be withdrawn from the forces of the vegetative soul. Now when these forces cease to operate, the soul is no longer in any way united to the body. Therefore, it would seem that in Paul's rapture it was necessary for the soul to be wholly separated from the body. On the contrary, Augustine says in his letter 147 to Paulina on seeing God, It is not incredible that this sublime revelation, namely, that they should see God in his essence, was vouchsafed certain saints, without their departing this life so completely as to leave nothing but a corpse for burial. Therefore, it was not necessary for Paul's soul, when in rapture, to be wholly separated from his body. I answer that, as stated above, in Article 1, Objection 1. In the rapture of which we are speaking now, man is uplifted by God's power, from that which is according to nature to that which is above nature. Wherefore, two things have to be considered. First, what pertains to man according to nature. Secondly, what has to be done by God in man above his nature. Now since the soul is united to the body as its natural form, it belongs to the soul to have a natural disposition to understand by turning to phantasms. And this is not withdrawn by the divine power from the soul in rapture, since its state undergoes no change, as stated above. Article 3, replies 2 and 3. Yet, this state remaining, actual conversion to phantasms and sensible objects is withdrawn from the soul, lest it be hindered from being uplifted to that which transcends all phantasms, as stated above in Article 4. Therefore, it was not necessary that his soul in rapture should be so separated from the body as to cease to be united thereto as its form, and yet it was necessary for his intellect to be withdrawn from phantasms and the perception of sensible objects. Reply to Objection 1 In this rapture, Paul was absent from the Lord as regards his state, since he was still in the state of a wayfarer, but not as regards the act by which he saw God by a species as stated above, in Article 3, Replies to Objections 2 and 3. Reply to Objection 2. A faculty of the soul is not uplifted by the natural power above the mode becoming the essence of the soul, but it can be uplifted by the divine power to something higher, even as a body by the violence of a stronger power is lifted up above the place befitting it according to its specific nature. Reply to Objection 3. The forces of the vegetative soul do not operate through the soul being intent thereon, as do the sensitive forces, but by way of nature. Hence, in the case of rapture, there is no need for withdrawal from them, as from the sensitive powers, 
whose operations would lessen the intentness of the soul on intellective knowledge. Sixth article. Did Paul know whether his soul were separated from his body? Objection 1. It would seem that Paul was not ignorant whether his soul were separated from his body. For he says in 2 Corinthians 12.2, I know a man in Christ, wrapped even to the third heaven. Now man denotes something composed of soul and body, and rapture differs from death. Seemingly, therefore, he knew that his soul was not separated from his body by death, which is the more probable, seeing that this is the common opinion of the doctors. Objection 2. Further, it appears from the same words of the Apostle that he knew whither he was wrapped, since it was to the third heaven. Now this shows that he knew whether he was in the body or not, for if he knew the third heaven to be something corporeal, he must have known that his soul was not separated from his body, since a corporeal thing cannot be an object of sight save through the body. Therefore, it would seem that he was not ignorant whether his soul were separated from his body. Objection 3. Further, Augustine says, in The Literal Meaning of Genesis, 12.28, that when in rapture he saw God with the same vision as the saints see him in heaven. Now from the very fact that the saints see God, they know whether their soul is separated from their body. Therefore, Paul knew this too. On the contrary, it is written in 2 Corinthians 12.3, Whether in the body or out of the body, I know not, God knoweth. I answer that. The true answer to this question must be gathered from the Apostle's very words, whereby he says he knew something, namely that he was wrapped even to the third heaven, and that something he knew not, namely, whether he were in the body or out of the body. This may be understood in two ways. First, the words, whether in the body or out of the body, may refer not to the very being of the man who is wrapped, as though he knew not whether his soul were in his body or not, but to the mode of rapture, so that he ignored whether his body besides his soul, or on the other hand, his soul alone, were wrapped to the third heaven. Thus Ezekiel is stated, in Ezekiel 8.3, to have been brought in the vision of God into Jerusalem, this was the explanation of a certain Jew according to Jerome in his prologue on Daniel, where he says that, Lastly, our apostle, thus said the Jew, durst not assert that he was wrapped in his body, but said, Whether in the body or out of the body, I know not. Augustine, however, disapproves of this explanation in the literal meaning of Genesis 12.3 and following. For this reason that the Apostle states that he knew he was wrapped even to the third heaven. Wherefore he knew it to be really the third heaven to which he was wrapped, and not an imaginary likeness of the third heaven. 
Otherwise, if he gave the name of third heaven to an imaginary third heaven, in the same way he might state that he was wrapped in the body, meaning, by body, an image of his body, such as appears in one's dreams. Now if he knew it to be really the third heaven, it follows that either he knew it to be something spiritual and incorporeal, and then his body could not be wrapped thither, or he knew it to be something corporeal, and then his soul could not be wrapped thither without his body, unless it were separated from his body. Consequently, we must explain the matter otherwise, by saying that the apostle knew himself to be wrapped both in body and soul, but that he ignored how his soul stood in relation to his body, to wit, whether it were accompanied by his body or not. Here we find a diversity of opinions. For some say that the apostle knew his soul to be united to his body as its form, but ignored whether it were abstracted from its senses, or again, whether it were abstracted from the operations of the vegetative soul. But he could not but know that it was abstracted from the senses, seeing that he knew himself to be wrapped. And as to his being abstracted from the operation of the vegetative soul, this was of not such importance as to require him to be so careful in mentioning it. It follows, then, that the apostle ignored whether his soul were united to his body as its form, or separated from it by death. Some, however, granting this say, that the apostle did not consider the matter while he was in rapture, because he was wholly intent upon God, but that afterwards he questioned the point, when taking cognizance of what he had seen. But this is also contrary to the apostle's words, for he there distinguishes between the past and what happened subsequently, since he states that at the present time he knows that he was wrapped fourteen years ago, and that at the present time he knows not whether he was in the body or out of the body. Consequently, we must assert that, both before and after, he ignored whether his soul were separated from his body. Wherefore Augustine, in the literal meaning of Genesis 12.5, after discussing the question at length, concludes, Perhaps then we must infer that he ignored whether, when he was wrapped to the third heaven, his soul was in his body, in the same way as the soul is in the body when we speak of a living body, either of a waking or of a sleeping man, or of one that is withdrawn from his bodily senses during ecstasy. Or whether his soul went out of his body altogether, so that his body lay dead. Reply to Objection 1. Sometimes by the figure of Senectoche, a part of man, especially the soul, which is the principal part, denotes a man. Or again, we might take this to mean that he whom he states to have been wrapped was a man not at the time of his rapture, but fourteen years afterwards, for he says, I know a man, not, I know a rapt man. Again, nothing hinders death brought about by God being called rapture. And thus Augustine says, in the literal meaning of Genesis 12.3. If the apostle doubted the matter, who of us will dare to be certain about it? Wherefore those who have something to say on this subject speak with more conjecture than certainty. 
Reply to Objection 2. The Apostle knew that either the heaven in question was something incorporeal, or that he saw something incorporeal in that heaven. Yet this could be done by his intellect, even without his soul being separated from his body. Reply to Objection 3. Paul's vision, while he was in rapture, was like the vision of the blessed in one respect, namely as to the thing seen, and, unlike, in another respect, namely as to the mode of seeing, because he saw not so perfectly as do the saints in heaven. Hence Augustine says in The Literal Meaning of Genesis 12.36, Although when the Apostle was wrapped from his carnal senses to the third heaven, he lacked that full and perfect knowledge of things which is in the angels, in that he knew not whether he was in the body or out of the body. This will surely not be lacking after reunion with the body in the resurrection of the dead, when this corruptible will put on incorruption. End of question 175 Read by Michael Shane Craig Lambert, L.C.